mean, green, and all around the scene, just not on your screen, it's Marvel's Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Not only is he not on your screen, Eric, he's very difficult to find. (laughs) (laughs) He is difficult to find if you're trying to buy the colored edition of this comic. Uh, Anyway, welcome back to the Monsters vs. Men podcast. We're trying our best to stay alive here at the bargain basement of the Kaiju Podcasting Airwaves. I am Eric. And I am Black and White Alex. Because that is the easiest way to buy this, is the Essentials Collection. And guess what? Even that I can't find. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Alex, mm. are you any shade of gray or are you just black and white all the time? Mm. I don't think in shades of gray, Eric. No, you don't really. <laughs> <laughs> you tell that to that five I gave Gamera, uh, the Invincible, or whatever the name of that first Gamera movie was. The five that you gave Gamera the Invincible? Yeah, I think I gave it a five, which is probably... You the 2.5? Oh, good <laughs> point. Good You haven't point. been able to think in, in gray for a long... Time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, no, I'm yeah. just messing. All right. It's okay. My feelings are already hurt. We're off to a good start. So this is kind of a... This is kind of a... Uh, not a bonus episode, but no. it's probably a little bit unexpected. Marvel's Godzilla, right in the middle of our series, but uh, it's it's kind of fresh in our mind, so we wanted to put it down uh, in a recording and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. If you're hearing this, there's a good chance we just had something come up in our personal lives that means we couldn't record our normal episode or get it out on time. So. This is a filler episode, but it's not filler. It's not like anime filler where it's just worthless waste of your time. And it's like all parties involved just kind of wasted their time, even the the people that made it. No, this filler is essential for the soul. It means something. (laughs) I love how you just called our episode a filler and then you tried to like back that up. (laughs) Well, I didn't try to back it up. I just meant most filler is bad, but... There are some filler episodes, Eric, where they really actually build up a character. And so it doesn't feel mm. like filler. And today we're going to build up Marvel's Godzilla. Yes. And this is, and this comic, <laughs> it has a lot of character. It does. <laughs> well, let's get into it then. Let's go ahead and get into it um, because we actually do have uh, some stuff to say about this comic. And, and hopefully you've read it. If you haven't, we'll, we'll talk about it. We'll just say, I'll just say that. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Alaska, Seattle, San Francisco, Las Vegas, to the moon and back, Salt Lake City, and New York. These are just a handful of the settings from Marvel's Godzilla King of the Monsters run of comics from 1977 to 1979. Now, I'm not I'm not going to try to try to spoil too much of them here on the podcast, but we will be getting into some specific issues and and reasons that you might want to check this out if you haven't already. Hopefully you have, but if you haven't, maybe this episode will serve as a way to kind of uh, tease you a little bit to to try to get your hands on some of these these comics. But let me ask you, Alex, as a Marvel fanboy, did this series bring you pure joy? <laughs> uh, you know, 
I was surprised to say that, yeah, it, I mean, it really did. But actually, <laughs> what I like the most about it is that they showed a remarkable amount of restraint in the use of its Marvel characters. Like, yeah, <laughs> you know, the the CEO of that company and like the chief editor was like, they were probably chomping at the bit to throw more characters in. But I'm glad that they made that choice to really mm-hmm. pull them back and make them almost negligible. Uh, they, they really could have packed this thing to the gills with superheroes, but instead they mostly opted for completely original monsters and some original characters. Yeah. No matter what you think of like the monster designs in this, because well, honestly, some of them are pretty weak, but <laughs> you have to give them really high marks for their ambition because they really tried something new with this series. They they tried to make their own monsters that were not previous Marvel monsters that had been used before. Mm-hmm. And they also took some interesting story uh, risks as well. Like, they decided to tell most of this story uh, from, like, an omniscient narrator mm-hmm. style. That, while it took me a little bit to get used to, I really came to enjoy it. Even if it did make some of these issues the densest comic books I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but overall, though, I really came away impressed with the series. Well, I think it was the first three or so issues that really seemed pretty dense. You know, like the first three issues were really heavy on the words. Um, but overall, again, yeah, I'm right with you. I'm a big fan of this series. And starting with Doug Mensch's narration. Let me just share a couple standout lines. These aren't even my most memorable lines, my most memorable line award, but here are just a couple, all right? Mm-hmm. Triumph is a thunderous roar hurled to the heavens. <laughs> In the face of such primordially mesmerizing power, what else can one do? Godzilla stands king, a prehistoric brute scorning the advanced technology of the American government and corporation alike. I really like that one. That one's cool. <laughs> It's like he doesn't care. It doesn't matter what side you're on. It's awesome. The skyline becomes eerie, almost haunted. For the hand of man no longer holds sway. Night and her deep darkness now reign supreme. (laughs) Right? It's just lines like that that bring this certain gravitas and style to the narration. It feels like the narration is sort of like this classic sci-fi or kaiju film. Kind of like the, uh, you know, Godzilla King of the Monsters from the 50s, you know? Yes. in, in the way that it's told. It's both contemplative and campy, kind of the best of both worlds. And besides the narration, though, it does have some standout characters. Did you enjoy other aspects of the writing, like the characters, Alex? Yeah, I mean, the characters are overall, they're pretty fun. I mean, we, we, we do have a few extraneous characters that that don't really, f- I mean, they're extraneous. They don't feel necessary, but they don't really bring the overall comic down. Uh, but the big characters that I really got invested in were Dum Dum Dugan and Gabe Jones, our two main protagonists. And there is a third kind of protagonist, Rob, who really, the back half of the comic especially, he really has a lot of prevalence in. Uh, and he's this boy who has this ob- <laughs> never explained obsession with Godzilla. And like, he just absolutely wants Godzilla to live and thrive and not be messed around with, which our main protagonists uh, can't really help but do, especially Dum Dum Dugan. But what I do like about those 
two protagonists is that Dum Dum uh, is mm-hmm. he. he kind of comes off as annoying at first. Like he's always got some snide comment and it's nonstop. He's always, he's always angry, (laughs) but we do get these slow reveal over this two, these two years of comics that he is actually growing and he, his mind is changing on Godzilla. Uh, we see, we see that in some of the, in the final few issues, you know, we're trying not to spoil too much, but he does grow in a, relatively meaningful way and then gabe is like this really nice foil to dum-dum he's sympathetic to godzilla he doesn't think they should probably kill him he's almost like uh oh what was that character from the original godzilla he's not sirizawa but doctor, he's uh dr amane yeah yamane yeah yamane yeah he, he's almost like the dr yamane of of the series in terms of kind of understanding that Godzilla has a sort of importance and that their interventions with him just going anywhere just makes everything worse. And I really like that. I've actually wished that character was more prevalent in the comics today, but turns out they killed him several years ago and he hasn't come back. So, Oh really? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they did. Um, But did you jive with any of these characters or do you have any others that you were into? Well, I, I do like Dum Dum, and as you said, there there's just those couple of moments where you realize ah, this exterior that he's putting on, kind of this hard nosed exterior, isn't really who he is. It's a persona that mm-hmm. he's trying to play. Um, but really, what I found interesting about this series, it wasn't necessarily some of these recurring characters like Dum Dum and Gabe and Jimmy and Rob. Um, it was actually how the series was kind of segmented. You had these arcs every two to three issues that would introduce brand new characters mm-hmm. that we would then never see again. It reminds me of another comic series, The Sandman, that I really enjoy. Mm. Um, but I actually enjoy that serialized feel. Um, there are a few arcs, though, that I think were stinkers. Like like the <laughs> alien arc. You had these two series, uh-huh. or these two alien species. You have the Batons and the Megons, or the Megans. <laughs> Megans. I like the Megans. <laughs> and we never get enough character development with those characters to actually care about their continual battle, their everlasting war that's been going on between these two alien species. So mm. it just doesn't really feel necessary or relevant. Um, but then there's ones that also are awesome. You know, like there are, uh, I, I personally enjoy, there's a whole Western arc where if you've ever wondered what Godzilla would look like in a Western movie, you get to see that here in the series. Uh, if you ever wonder what Godzilla would look like on the moon, you get that in this series. If you ever wonder what Godzilla would look like life-size, you get that in this series. Yeah. You get a little bit of everything. You know? What if Godzilla was in a, a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? Exactly. You get that in this series. <laughs> but, you know, Towards the end, you also do get a couple moments. We said there's not superheroes galore, but I do think there were a couple moments maybe at the end, maybe a little bit with the Avengers and, and our uh, Spider-Man cameo mm-hmm. that feel a little shoehorned in. But I can't opla- complain about it too much. Overall, I had a great time. And yeah, on a different note, though, let, to, to change the subject a little bit, what did you think about Godzilla's design? Well, I, I got to say real quick, I actually enjoyed the Alien arc. Uh, I did actually, but I did not enjoy the cowboy arc as much. 
I mm. will say one of the things that this series did do for me is usually it would switch tones or story arcs, and I would not be into it initially. Like, oh, yeah. come on. And then by the end of it, I'm like <laughs> fully invested. <laughs> ready yeah, for it and that's true that's true and, i just but, think the, the western one is like the best of of genre worlds coming together it's <laughs> it's comical it's not meant to be taken too seriously because there's yeah. some absolutely ridiculous things oh yeah i mean it, it's got cowboys <laughs> trying to blow up godzilla with dynamite it's got lasso it's got it's got cowboys trying to lasso godzilla's tail all right <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's uh, a good time i mean this comic is, is a good time but well, you know what's not a great time? <laughs> that question you asked, G's design. He looks just like Reptar. Like straight up. And that may have been exactly what Reptar was designed after was this I was say, iteration. You mean Reptar looks like this Godzilla, yes. I think. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, I guess Toho didn't completely hate it because they did end up using this design as their logo on the back of all their boxes that said Godzilla. On them, oh, like yeah. they would, they would, they have emblems for each character that are in the movie, and uh-huh. they use his this design for it, which is just That's completely funny. baffling. Uh, I, I, but I did come around on the design uh, in this comic of Godzilla. I really started to enjoy it, but there's one problem with it, and there's hmm. a lot of art inconsistency that rears its head when it comes to Godzilla. Um, he changes and morphs from panel to panel in some issues like yeah. his, his scale it increases and shrinks they don't know how big this guy is sometimes and even even when it's not and that's even when it's not story related because we did we did say Godzilla does have a TMNT story arc <laughs> in New York City so sometimes he he is even drawn to look like Obviously, this came out before, but a Jurassic Park T-Rex. Like, he looks exactly like a green Jurassic Park T-Rex. And mm-hmm. then other times, he looks like the Godzilla that's on all the covers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I would have I appreciated more consistency, but I also recognize that giant monsters weren't exactly Marvel's uh, play field yeah. Uh, yeah. When, when, when this came out. And I understand that scale and would have been something that was difficult to handle. Now, why Godzilla's design is still changing in the final issue of the comic is a little... <laughs> I think that's all you need to know about the inconsistency of that one creature. But yeah, I do yeah. also kind of like some of the other monster designs as well. Specifically mm-hmm. Beta Beast. Because... Oh, yeah. This thing looks like a mishmash of different things that I don't even know what they are. <laughs> he, just, well, he just crammed together. He's the most Showa feeling monster. Almost. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the Beast. Yeah. I, I've said before that Beta Beast reminds me of an Ultra Q monster. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not the, it's not, uh, um, Canagon, right? Uh, it's <laughs> what, what is it's um, Canagon's it, coin purse. Yeah, it is. No, it's uh, it's actually um, 
more similar to uh, Namagon. I think it's Namagon is what it is. It's got like the little glowing eyes that stick up from the top of its head. It's like a big slug almost, right? Yeah, kind Um, of. That's doing it a disservice because, I mean, this thing has tentacles. This thing has like a a mouth with like, I guess it has tentacles coming out of there too. And then he's got like, he's got all kinds of stuff going on. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's a cool monster. It is. It's a great monster. (laughs) Yeah, it is. And then we get other monsters that just... I wasn't quite as down on them as you and Tokyo Lives when we did this ep- did an episode on this, but uh-huh. they they're they don't they're not up to par, especially not up to the Showa era films. Yeah. Uh, but I do like other things like Red Ronin. I think Red mm-hmm. Ronin is an awesome robot design. Like very cool. It almost feels it almost feels a little generic by today's standards. But mm-hmm. this came out before a lot of what we've seen since then so and even now i still really like this giant (laughs) giant samurai robot yeah that is piloted by a child (laughs) yeah it definitely pulls on that sort of influence that japanese influence like heavy you know yeah i think it's cool i i like that and as for me i like the design of godzilla you know um it's different, obviously. Yeah. He's bright green. He has a rotund belly. He breathes fire, really, instead of atomic breath. And ultimately, he has a dinosaur head. So <laughs> you might say it's Americanized, I guess, to some degree. But, you know, with, with the color, it's just a very 70s, like, bright color and really pretty groovy. And, you know, the colors in general really, I think, add to the series as a whole. Yes. I couldn't imagine reading it in black and white. But yeah, as you said, like on our, uh, we were guests on Tokyo Lives, and I think it was uh, Kyle that told us that he had read it in black and white originally, and yes. he thought that that might actually accentuate some of the pencil work, uh, some of the details and the drawings yeah. uh, the black and white did. So maybe there's something to say for the black and white editions, but I can't person. I've only read it in color, and I can't imagine yeah. reading it. Any Those other colors, way. they pop. And they're, they, they look they look really great, uh, yeah, really especially great. what forty years later, and it still looks great. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, I think of course you get the seventies kind of style that doesn't quite feel as realistic by today's standards, of course. Um, but I can live with that. I, I personally, it's kind of more of a pop feel, um, and, and I enjoyed that. It, it was different. From, from what we see in more modern comics. Oh, yeah. And really, overall, this series makes me want to read some more Godzilla comic series, which maybe we can do for the show in the future. Yeah, for sure, for sure. But, Eric, you know what time it is. What time is it, Alex? It's time for Monster Masterpiece Theater. <laughs> it's been a while, my friend. It has been quite a while. And... Uh, we will see if we have uh, either a theometer award this week or if we just get the love of Theo in your hearts for winning. <laughs> because the, Theo has started kindergarten now and, and trying to get him to do anything. I, I've got, so I've got uh, previous winners. I, we just need, all we have to do at this point is send them out. I've got a, you should see this Godzilla watercolor that Theo did. Uh, for one of the monster piece theater uh, drawings, and it, it's pretty awesome. But we'll see, we'll see this time. But honestly, you will get credit on the podcast uh, next time. We will make sure to announce what this movie is one and two, 
the winners and entries of the uh, Monsterpiece Theater. Uh, we'll keep this open. We'll keep this open for a week. Uh, and so make sure you send me a message on Twitter or email me mvmpod at gmail.com uh, to enter the contest. If you know this movie that we're about to butcher, if we're about to, that we're about to make into a monster piece, send us a message of the movie and you can enter to win for this week. <laughs> um, Alex, do you want to be part B or part A? I will be, I'll be part B. Okay. All right. Go for it. All right. And action. So many. I can't believe it. M- magnitude 12 on opposite sides of the earth. Can't believe it. No, no, no. Time for a break. My, my wife packed fresh fruit juice. Mine packed hamburger sandwiches. <laughs> uh, my wife's the limit. What? Huh? Your wife forgot to? No, I, I saw her fill it. So did I. End scene. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, do you know this movie? I do. Okay, cool. cool. <laughs> I do. It's uh, the only right. movie about sa- that has sandwich talk in it that I can remember. <laughs> <laughs> if you know that answer, of course, send us an email, nvmpod at gmail.com. Send us a message on Twitter or leave us some feedback at nvmpod.com and you can enter to win this week's contest. Next week, we will uh, make sure to post. Well, yeah, next week, I'll make sure we can find a way to make sure that you know what this movie was <laughs> and who the winner was. <laughs> um this week, though, uh, for MVM Plus, I do want to say that we have our executive producer, Michael Herndon, with us. Um, Michael comes in to talk about what our future series will be after the Gamera series. Um, Ooh. And we've decided it's going to be a Toho series. And, and we kind of fleshed out what that's going to look like, um, what movies we're going to include in the first little mini series of the Toho series. And we get into a whole bunch of crazy things over there on MVM Plus. Uh, you can join MVM Plus and receive those bonus episodes every single week uh, at patreon.com slash MVM Plus or MVM Pod. <laughs> and you can become an executive producer like Michael over there and join us for our monthly executive producer meetings uh, at patreon.com slash MVM Pod. Well, you know what that brings us to, Alex? Our awards. Our awards. All right, let's go ahead and start with the coolest. We, we've now, I, I will say, Alex, we've adjusted our awards a little bit, as you'll see as we go along. Mm. But we still have a couple awards that are the same, like our coolest character award, which, yeah. as always, Alex, start us off. Coolest which character, is, who you have? It's Gabe Jones. Gabe Jones is sympathetic to Godzilla's plight from the get go, mm. without knowing or loving Godzilla unconditionally, like Rob. Like, we see Gabe Jones kind of relent towards the end, like, that they might have to kill Godzilla. And I really mm-hmm. I really like that he has this pretty consistent arc. Like, he, I don't actually know if he has as much growth as, like, Dum Dum Dugan does. He's pretty yeah. consistent throughout the time. But I really enjoy his character, and we do see his relationship with Dum Dum grow, even we if do. they do really kind of hate each other for a long time. <laughs> And maybe yeah. the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> what about it's you? interesting. I, I like Gabe a lot too. I think Gabe is a good character. Um, 
Yeah, I wish he was in more, but my mine is actually a character that I was not familiar with. He is maybe the leader or, or one of the leaders of the champions from Marvel, and he is Hercules. Um, of course, I've heard of Hercules before, just not in relation with Marvel. Marvel's The Champions. Um, and honestly, I thought he was hilarious, one, but just also really cool. He spoke in this Shakespearean sort of mm-hmm. language. And then beyond the Shakespearean sort of language, he has a moment, I won't spoil it, but he has a moment where force meets force and he meets Godzilla head on. And oh, yeah. it's certainly a scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It's yeah, a good it moment. Is. Yeah. Um, what about your can't believe that artwork award? Ooh, can't believe that artwork. Well, uh, I'll go for the one of the covers actually, oh. which uh, it's it may may not be cheating, but it's not necessarily a part of the issue. But the artwork is awesome, and that is the uh, the cover for issue eighteen, which is battled beneath Eighth Avenue which features Godzilla fighting a rat. <laughs> and it's maybe not the most detailed artwork. It's just so outlandish because of the scenario. Once again, I won't give you full, full details here, but it's a scenario you never would expect from Godzilla, and it's pretty awesome all the same. <laughs> what about you, man? Can't yeah. believe that artwork. Um, yeah, that would be – mine has to be the splash page. Uh, I believe that is the final mm-hmm. issue of the comic book. Got a yeah. big splash page. We, we mentioned the Avengers earlier, so it's not real. And you kind of know it's heading this way from the get go. But it's got a, a bunch of superheroes and Godzilla and the Empire State Building all in the same panel, and it is just it's chaotic. But it's also like. This is kind of what a Marvel Godzilla comic is going to lead to. And I'm yep. totally okay with it for this artwork. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. It's like the climax of the whole series. Yes. It's yes. awesome. It's it a really, really great moment. Yeah. Um, what about your most memorable line award? So my most memorable line is from issue 12, one of my favorite issues. And it, it, it's when Godzilla fights the aforementioned beta beast. Mm. And this is a moment where the action, the art, and the narration, they all come together perfectly. And it says, Godzilla must summon courage. He must succumb to rage. Courage and rage, the keys to life. And in the end, even courage is no longer necessary. Mere rage will do. Mm-hmm. Right? And at that point, Godzilla, it's like that moment in Godzilla 2014 where Godzilla grabs the Muto and breathes fire into the Muto's mouth. Yes. That's what he does to Beta Beast, right? <laughs> and it's just such an awesome moment. Uh, you've got to love it. Yeah. No, it, it is a great moment. But it's not as great as my moment, Eric. Okay, my, yeah. My most favorite moment. <laughs> <laughs> I like the sarcasm. The sarcasm. Um, mine is a line from Gabe Jones being picked up by a smaller-than-normal Godzilla. And... <laughs> He gets picked up and he says, oh, no, why do I keep forgetting how fast he is? (laughs) It's just completely ridiculous. It's just completely ridiculous. (laughs) Yeah, that was that did match mine 100%. Uh, What about 
So this one's a little bit different of an award, Alex. It is the standout issue award. Did you have a standout issue? Uh, yeah, I think, I think the issue where he actually, and I know we're not big on the designs of the, of the space monsters, but uh-huh. the issue where he's throwing down with them, uh, I'm blanking on the actual issue number. I think it's like six, f- 14, I think. Um, but he's actually throwing down with the space monsters, all three of them. Well, yeah, like uh, in Salt Lake City, issue 13 and 14. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's a really fun battle. Even if the monsters aren't that great, you see Godzilla just clean up shop with these monsters with some help. He doesn't do it alone. Yes. But it, it, it's just a really great battle. That's my next award, kind of, is what punctuates the end of it that I really liked. But what about you? What was your standout issue? So my standout issue is issue nine, and this is a Las Vegas story, and it's the story of Winslow Bennett, mm-hmm. and he loses everything, including his soul, in this story. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a really somber story for a comic that generally is very very upbeat. Yeah, but yeah. The, you see the story of Winslow, and it's it's so intertwined with Godzilla. And Godzilla at this aspect is is acting like a force of nature in a way that is inevitable. It, Godzilla becomes fate in a sense. Mm-hmm. And it's one of it's one of the like <laughs> it's one of the deep I think it's one of the deepest Godzilla stories I've I've ever come across in movie or you know in comics. It's and it's very tight, it's very confined, it's one issue long. Um but it, it does tug on you a little bit. And yes. I was just like, wow, this is a story. <laughs> and Godzilla <laughs> is seen in a different light in that in that issue. I, I just love the way that Godzilla becomes there's no way that this this Winslow was going to be uh he was always going to face this Godzilla in this sense. And like there was no other option for him. Yeah. And he was he was never going to escape his fate in that sense. And it's really cool how it's done. Um, yeah, it's, no, it's neat. It's an excellent issue. And you're right. Especially those final panels that show the parallel oh, between Winslow and Godzilla. And it's, excellent. And it's got a twist, you know, at the end. Yes, it does. It does. Yeah. Very good. Oh, that's great. Um, um, last, last, well, we have a bonus award, but before that, how about your, Oh, that's a good panel award, Alex. Yeah. So this is during the aforementioned, uh, space monster battle that he's fighting them in, I guess it was Salt Lake City. And there's a monster called Rion. And he's like this yellow monster with this giant disc shaped head. And he has these spinning blades, uh, I guess the spinning blade for a tail or a tail that spins so fast as a blade. Yeah, propeller. You're right. It is a propeller. Um, and in this moment, this is like the, the final moment of the battle. Godzilla. He's already lopped off. He's 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 shown what his tail can do on something else, mm-hmm. and Godzilla d- grabs the monster's tail and uses and uses the tail to cut off the monster's own head. And it's just it, it, it's like one of those moments. I was like, oh, like oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> this is a good good moment. Good moment. What about you? Yeah. 
So mine is the battle at Empire State Building. You mentioned the splash page, but this isn't quite the splash page. This is the moment where Godzilla and Thor, who of the of all the Avengers, he has taken kind of the lead mm-hmm. of the Avengers, which I think it's appropriate considering his kind of mythic nature. He has taken the lead in fighting Godzilla. And you have this moment where there's a battle of, of wills at the Empire State Building between Godzilla and Thor. And everything is on the line at that moment. Everything is in the balance, you might say, uh, at the Empire State Building. Um, <laughs> and so I love that. And I just another an honorable mention line that I really like comes from Thor. Um, and it's a little bit before that. He just strikes Godzilla um, <laughs> with his hammer. And it does a little bit of damage, but not much. And right. Thor says... Verily, the dragon is savage beyond compare. Right? And I just love I just love that. I just thought it was really neat and nice little detail to put in the issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, what about your uh favorite monster design, our bonus award? Ooh, bonus award. Okay. Um, so mine is gonna go to the monster Yetrigar. Mm. Yetrigar, he's the uh hairy human-like monster. To me, he's a mix between kind of the gargantuan monster and King Kong. Um, Again, there's just always something about kind of like the human-like monster that is an interesting contrast to some of the more otherworldly kaiju that we see sometimes. So I I really liked Yetrigar. But what about you? Uh, Mine had to be what I call the Turbo Hippo, which is Triax. (laughs) And he just looks like a hippo. Uh, he looks like a space hippo he he, he, and he just jets around he can fly which is like the most interesting thing with all four feet and i mean he just looks like a hippo he, he's the most intimidating thing i think i've ever seen <laughs> uh yeah. all right alex so we move now into our rating and ranking and i'll, I'll start first okay. uh, so i have nothing really to compare this to in terms of godzilla comics so I won't be able to really rank it. And honestly, it's hard for me to rate it as well because there's some issues I would rate very high. Issues 9, 12, 18, 24, those are standout issues to me. But then there are some that I would rate pretty low, 13 and 14, uh, 20. The narration is fantastic throughout. Even though, as we said, the artwork may not match it always in its storytelling ambition. Overall, though, what I'll say is instead of giving it maybe a rating, I would just say if you haven't read this yet, you deserve it or you deserve to either if you are a comic fan or a Godzilla fan. This this is a, a good series um, with some great characters, a fun design, and just a really after the first couple issues, it becomes a much lighter read that is really fun to get into. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know. I think there's a lot to be said there about that uh, because I think it will turn off some people uh, at the very beginning because it, it totally, it feels like a very different comic at the beginning. It feels yeah. more dark and almost like foreboding in a way. It, it, it keeps a couple of those elements for certain times, but for the most part we get really goofy and really fun. Uh, but that's part of the charm and one of the, my favorite parts of the series is 
that goo that go- level of goofy, but also that kind of dire nature that takes place at the final issues and the first few issues. But I yeah. think the weakest parts of this is really just kind of the design of Godzilla. You know, the general artwork at times kind of fluctuates, but the the pops of color really sell just about everything. Mm-hmm. And the story arcs, you know, they wax and wane a bit in quality, but. You know, I mentioned earlier, whenever I feel like the story is about to make me lose interest, it pulls me in with something I didn't expect. It's all so just exceptionally wacky and charming that I could really, I just can't help but enjoy it. Like, this is clearly a comic that someone put some love into. Even if the cowboy issues are an odd choice, like, <laughs> I liked it by the end. Like, yeah. <laughs> totally yeah. turned off at the very beginning. But by the end, I liked it. And I think the ending of the series actually sells the rest of the story with the boy that I mentioned earlier, Rob, who was just absolutely in love with Godzilla. Pilot's a robot. And, you know, I felt like it was unearned until those final moments of the the series. I'm like, I get where he's coming from. And he's actually ultimately proven right about Godzilla, but maybe in ways that maybe our audience won't expect. While... It's not the best Godzilla series I've read. I've only read probably four. Uh, I think Half Century War of the ones that I've read would be the top of my list. It is a great read. Like, Despite what some G fans might think by looking at this, this Godzilla comic has a lot of heart. It leans into its goofiness of the kind of like the Showa era at times, but it also plays within the Marvel Universe pretty sparingly in a way that I really appreciate it. So... I gotta be. I have to recommend it for anyone that's a Godzilla fan. Like, yeah, he doesn't look like the Godzilla you know and love, but there's a lot to like here. And so I'm, I'm actually gonna rate it. I'm gonna give it a. I'm gonna give it a three and a half out of five. I kind of want to give it a four out of five, but there's a lot of other series I want to read, and I know how good Half Century War is. So, mm. yeah, uh, I will give it a. I'll give it a four out of five then. Oh, look at you, Eric. Yeah, yeah. Oh. I, li- I like it. If, if we're going to rate it, I'll give it a four out of five. I thought it was pretty good. So. You know what? Hey, you know what, Eric? You know what? Four out of five. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that just nice? <laughs> to be on the same page once again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. I felt, like we were, I felt like we were lost a little bit when I was rating it higher than you, but... Not no longer, Alex. Yeah, yeah, we're back on track. <laughs> it almost felt like Gamera, where you like everything more than me. Um, <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, so I uh, see that you said no rhyme time, Eric. Yeah, yeah. Mm. What? Mm. Well, not this week. We don't well, know what's coming next week. You know, we did read the Godzilla comic, and you're acting a little stoic. Poet. That didn't even rhyme, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. We just read the Godzilla comic, and we both thought the quality was atomic. <laughs> you might call me stoic, but my lack of rhymes is just heroic, Alex. You didn't even talk about the comic book. Oh, my God. Get out of here. <laughs> As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MVM underscore pod. Um, on Letterboxd, I'm Eric Neely. You can find our list, rating, and rankings of all these films, all of our Gamera, all of our Godzilla films. 
Um, you can email us, mvmpod at gmail.com, or leave us feedback on our website, mvmpod.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash mvmpod and receive weekly bonus MVM Plus episodes. And if you feel so led, leave us a review on iTunes. Your review really does help and keeps us motivated to keep the show going. Monsters vs. Yeah. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Michael Herndon is executive producer. Special thanks to our wives, Rock Band for PlayStation 3, Senor Honda, Drew, the collector, our Instagram connector, and you, the listener, for listening. Until next week, try to stay, to stay <laughs> alive. alive. I just you're followed rubbing, your lead that time, Alex. Uh-huh. You're rubbing your mic on your face for like the last two minutes of that. <laughs> what? It sounds like it. I'm not, I'm not rubbing my mic on my it face. It sounds like you're rubbing your mic on your face. <laughs> is, is this it right here? It's not doing it now. I don't know what it is, then, because I'm oh. not touching my mic. Rubbing your mic on your face. I'm not rubbing my mic on my face. I don't know what it is. <laughs>